Oh man, this is gonna be great. All right, thanks everyone for coming. Yeah, uh, yeah, thank you all for coming. This is way more people than I expected to show up. <laughs> Chris has very low expectations of all of you. <laughs> Not what I meant. So, um, how many people are regular listeners of the show? Cool, we got a few. We got a few. All right, cool. We got some follow up to do. We do, yeah. <laughs> so, for everybody who's listening to the show, strap yourselves in. <laughs> So uh, one of the things we talked about, one of the episodes that we got uh, a lot of great feedback about that we really appreciated uh, was where we talked about, uh, like, what all did we cover? Imposter syndrome. Yeah, kind of like starting a new job and yeah. not really knowing your where on the code base and kind of having to feel it out and having to, to figure out where you fit in and how to properly contribute to a new team, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so just as follow-up, I had a like story from last week now uh, totally non-tech related, uh, but very imposter, imposter syndrome related. Um, and I thought I would share that. Yeah, fire it up. Let's go. All right. So uh, some friends and I were doing a uh, long bike ride last Saturday. And, you know, ahead of this, I was having some pain with my right shoulder. Uh, and one of my friends recommended that I go see this, uh, like, sports massage therapist that she really likes. Uh, and so I get to this place Thursday morning, and there's, like, uh, this is totally a new experience for me. There's like exercise equipment everywhere. There's like metal music blaring in this place. You, you went to a gym. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's called a gym. <laughs> it's a new experience for me. And uh, I, you know, I get there and I walk in. And I'm just like, wow, I so do not belong here. Like, this is a place for people who are like athletes and like do athletic things. Uh, and like, that's totally uh, that's imposter syndrome again, right? Like, I'm here because. Uh, I'm preparing for this like big athletic thing. Uh, Don't you yet, bike like like dozens of miles a weekend, like on a regular basis? On a, re on a regular basis, yeah. yeah. And so that's that that kicking in, right? Like, yeah, totally. Like, I totally belong here, but yeah. like this new thing, and there's this music, and this guy is uh, like there's people wearing workout clothes, very intimidating. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know what the point here is. Just like imposter syndrome is a real thing and affects everybody. So like you, you got this. You're yeah. you're cool. Uh, we talked to someone who like even had imposter syndrome like in this city in this like nine block radius of just like, well, do I know the right things to talk to the right people and like how does this all make me feel? And I think that it it just pops up everywhere. It just yeah, pops up repeatedly. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, other little follow-up. We usually do a lot more technical stuff, a lot more programming stuff. And um, for the most part, we're talking about like design patterns, coding, which is really fun to do over like just audio. You know, we have no, <laughs> no images, no anything. One time we put a, a, a code block in the show notes. That was pretty useful, I think. I think um, we, probably did. We, we must have done that more than once. We I did think. it literally once. Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah it was just like... That's was probably the, for the best. The galaxy brain enum. We had like small brain, medium brain, galaxy brain. Yeah. Um, so we wanted to, to kind of start off with the WWDC stuff and we wanted to talk about, uh, Swift and kind of where it's going and, and what we learned. Yeah. I don't know exactly where to start here, like what we want to cover because we've covered a lot of the stuff that's new in Swift over the last several months right. because it's been like an open development process. So, so I don't know what you, I think the big thing that we didn't know was exactly what was going on with the versions. We thought that yeah, ABI that's, stability that's was going to happen fair. in the fall uh, with Swift five. Um, but we, what we learned was that is happening next spring so yeah. they're pushing that off which makes a lot of sense honestly yeah i mean that's fine uh deadline slip in big software projects and this especially i think is something where you want to get it right yeah right um i remember opening that the swift code base like add stuff and make pull requests and i'm pretty sure it's the biggest software project i've ever opened on my computer 
I'm, I think that's true of me too. Yeah, that's right. Like I don't yeah. think we've done any like messing with Linux or whatever. No. Um, so yeah, so we learned that Swift 4.2 uh, was coming. I actually, um, like a week ago, I asked someone and I said, hey, I've been hearing about Swift 4.2, but like there's no release page for it. There's no date. Like is what's happening? And this person was just like, I cannot comment on unreleased software. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, okay, so there's something going on here. So yeah, so that's what we learned. We learned 4.2 is coming out um, in the fall, and it's going to have um, a bunch of little tiny things, and then 5, which is going to be kind of the bigger ABS stability thing is going to happen in the spring. Yeah. Do we want to take any bets on whether 5 and ABI stability will slip again? I'd, I'd take bets, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Which side would you take? <laughs> and what kind of odds can you give me? <laughs> I, I think it'll probably. I think they'll probably hit spring. I think so. I yeah. think they're going to miss it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, this podcast is ending, so you'll never find out. So, <laughs> <laughs> what what you should do is uh, is subscribe to Swift Unwrapped instead, which I think has always done it. Yeah. Subscribe good to two people who are smarter than us and yeah. and know more about this stuff than us. Yeah, that's going <laughs> to be a safe bet. And then, so yeah, so that's like the kind of Swift follow up. And then the other thing that we love to talk about is Animoji. And right. So Animoji. we got to do a little Animoji segment before we move on. So uh, this uh, so what iOS twelve adds Memoji. right? Uh, how many how many people here have used like have ever used Animoji? Yeah, who sent an Animoji? Okay, right, that's most of the room. We should tell the people who are listening to the recording how many people. I just was. said Can it's you... most of the room. Oh, most of the room. That's good. Okay. <laughs> All right. My bad. Was... <laughs> <laughs> okay, how many people use Animoji on any sort of regular basis, though? All right. That's about what I That's thought. That's like four people. <laughs> Serge, how often do you use Animoji? I probably do. It's like when I send them, I send like six in a row, but that's like <laughs> every two months. Okay. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. So we got four new characters and we got the Memoji. Yeah. I was in a Memoji today. I haven't been in a Memoji yet. I don't have iOS 12 on anything. A uh, friend of the show, Curtis Herbert, we were hanging out and he was setting up his phone. He actually uh, put iOS, uh, what are we on, 12? Onto his phone. Who put iOS 12 on their phone? These polls are good. Let's do more polls. Um, like five people. Okay. <laughs> on your really, daily. It's really great audio content. <laughs> it seems like it's not so bad. I might do it soon. Live life on the edge. Yeah. Maybe after Iceland. Yeah, that sounds yeah, like probably a good after Iceland. <laughs> don't, don't go on an international trip with the beta OS. It'll never end well. Um, and so Curtis like pointed the selfie camera at us and he had his Memoji on him. And, and I was in the other like half of the picture. And then Memoji swapped over. And it became my face. Whoa. That's so I stuck my tongue out. We took a picture. Oh, right. Because there's, there's tongue detection. Yeah, tongue detection. So tongue detection is huge. Um, no inappropriate jokes. That's going uh, <laughs> to bring Animoji back, I think, is, yeah, is tongue think detection. That's what we need. Uh, that's, that's, what, that's what's been holding me back. Do you think the skull is going to have a tongue? That's <laughs> a really good question. Can someone... Uh, on all right, all right. Thank you, Curtis. Curtis. Curtis is on it. Is it a bone tongue or a regular tongue? <laughs> So many and questions. The, ghost, the ghost has a tongue in the regular emoji, right? Yeah, he's kind of. All right, we're we're, we're waiting with bated breath. <laughs> can we? Can we could. Uh... Yes, it has a tongue. Pink tongue. That's really. Will That's you, can you real send, weird. Will you send us a screenshot of that, please? Will you send us an N emoji? Okay, that'd be great. Thank you. Here's my tongue swoosh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> great content. We we will do that. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Um, all right, yeah, so we thought we would kick off um, WWDC, like, kind of, like, have a little recap, some thoughts and feelings. Yeah, by the way, this is by far, I think, the most preparation we've done for Absolutely. any episode. 
We, we talked about what we were going to do here for like almost 10 minutes. Oh, that's the wrong note. Yeah, how did I do that? I don't know. <laughs> cool. Or something. Okay, we're back. Full screen. Cool. Um, yeah, so so probably biggest announcement WGC thing everybody's most excited for. Absolutely a measure app. Yeah, definitely a measure app. Yeah. Or, or voice memos in iCloud. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually... Uh, lied down on the pavement yesterday and had someone measure up my body and see like how long, how tall how I am. Long? How tall are you? Six one. How? Wait, you're tall. No, I'm six one. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm. actually worked out pretty good. I'm yeah, yeah, I'm six one. Okay, good. I, I might lie and say I'm six two, but I'm six one. <laughs> okay, measure up, good. Yeah, measure up, pretty good. Voice memos in iCloud. That'll yeah. those, those will be on your iPad. Seems good. Yeah, and your Mac, I think. Really? Yeah, I think that's oh. one of the Marzipan apps. Oh, cool. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Did you listen to the platform State of the Union? I got like uh, a third of the way into it. How far did you get? Um, I got through. Uh, they just wrapped up the Marzipan discussion. All right, cool. So you missed the most boring part of the platform state. The <laughs> they Which, just talked about AirKit and CoreML for like like thirty minutes. It was so boring. I like literally left the room. I was like, I can't pay attention to any more of this. <laughs> so this is something like I don't totally understand the emphasis on on device machine learning here. I on device. Machine learning to me seems like that is Apple doing like they're they're doing a thing that they want to do, which is we're not going to send your data to the cloud. Right. And literally every other startup, every other company is going to not listen to that advice and just do it on the server. I'm really curious how many people outside of Apple are actually using Core ML. See, this is the thing because I think like it makes sense if you have a really small app and like you're yeah. you're an indie or whatever, right? But if you're an indie, you still have to train the model. Like, you can either use a pre-built model of like, oh, this is a bird, this is a plant, or whatever. But, like, dog. not that useful. Yeah. Um, there's, like, 10 apps in the world that need that. And it's not going to be a differentiating feature because everybody can do it for free, basically. So you can, like, maybe make a, like a model of, like, Shakespeare text and spit out, you know, random Shakespeare text. That's kind of funny. Um, but then why do you need to do that on advice? And then... I don't. It just who is this for? It's not for small like indies. It's not for like medium companies. It's not for big companies. It's like, what is this for? So it's totally possible that I'm missing something, but I mostly agree. And like, I just keep coming back to like, there's no way that like on device ML on battery powered devices is going to compete with Google's like racks of like like servers that are specifically like designed and optimized right, for all this. GPUs. And I'm and you can do that in Swift now. Yeah, so, so I'm I'm really curious. Where, yeah. It's like, it's very very strange to me. I don't know. I don't know anybody who cares about it. Yeah. So yeah, and then ARKit similarly boring. Maybe useful for like I don't have a big enough table. Five apps. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. Maybe if there's like some kind of I don't know. It's just like we've had a year of ARKit and I haven't played a single cool ARKit game. Yeah. I did the measuring thing once as a gag. Uh, that's it. It's like, yeah. What is this for? That's really all I have to say. Again, I really hope that I'm missing something here and that someone comes up with like some really cool stuff that I just am not seeing or that I'm missing. But like, yeah, I'm not sure what it's for. Yeah. Uh, it's very strange. And they spent so long on, on the, in the platform saving unit. It was insanely boring. Yeah. So you well, I can't much. say, yeah. I, yeah. I <laughs> got 25 minutes into it. Something happened with, with playground, uh, playgrounds and repls, and uh, I am out of the loop here. What is so... What, okay, so the, um, the way that I'm pretty sure that this works is uh, there's a button at the bottom of the playground where you can like stop it and run it manually, or you can have it automatically run every time you change the code, right? Okay. So I think yeah. there's a new mode that's the REPL. And so it will only evaluate new lines of code at the bottom of the playground. Okay. And so the stated purpose of this is like 
if you do do CoreML, you train a model, it takes 18 minutes on the fastest Mac Pro and then, or iMac Pro, and then you don't want to run that again, but you want to use that data. So you want to be able to write new lines of code without uh, interpreting and executing lines of code above it. Okay. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. So I've had like one case where this is useful. Remember when we talked about word ladders and yeah. like graph search? Mm-hmm. So basically, I had to download like a big dictionary and then um, process this dictionary a little bit and then like find passive words through the dictionary as like a graph. Uh, and that downloading of the uh, downloading of the file and processing and everything took like ten seconds every time. And I would have loved to like not have to do that each time I like made a small change in the code. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so this lets you do playgrounds yeah. like stuff, but keep data around. For right. But I think like it. this is not important if playgrounds aren't going to be stable. It's like if you can actually work in playgrounds, and this is great, but like they've been a disaster for me for the past like six months. Really? Yeah. They have this. They have this super fun bug where if you leave it open for long enough, it will um, spin up like three processes that just like kick your fans on high and peg all your CPUs. Hmm, that's and then yeah, and then you just have to work like that. I like it's horrible. <laughs> you can kill them and they'll come back. And so it was just like really bad. They're just super broken. Huh? Yeah. I have barely, I mean, so as regular listeners know, I've like not really been doing iOS development for last year. I've barely opened Xcode in the last year. So I'm pretty out of the loop on like playgrounds and most Xcode related things. So I'm curious, do you do REPL stuff for Python? To like figure out like what's this API? Yeah. Occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. To like explore APIs. Does this actually work? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's, I, for that, I've been using. Uh, there's an app called Code Runner, which you, I think you can get from the Mac App Store. Yeah, that, that really like good. is nice for just doing quick, uh, like playground-like stuff in basically any language. Yeah. Um, Code Runner is really good, and I meant to switch to it instead of Playgrounds, and then I totally forgot until you mentioned it right oh. now. So you should switch to instead of Playgrounds. <laughs> I really should. It's good. It, it runs really fast and like doesn't crash or stop running your code or like have to launch the simulator to run your code. Yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a useful tool. Yeah. So Playgrounds, hopefully they're going to be more stable. Seems good to me. Uh, let's do Mac. Let's do Mac. Do you, So you use Quick Look. I use Quick Look all the time. I'm, I use Quick Look all the time. I don't want to like do, do things in it, like annotate. Um, yeah, I don't, I've never annotated stuff. anything. Because it's not, it's not a window. Like as soon as I accidentally touch anything, yeah. it disappears, and I lose, like uh, I lose my place and my like my workflow. Yeah, that's fair. I don't, I don't think I've ever like tried to do work in a quick look window because like you click the desktop and it disappears, and you're like, great, I was looking at that. Right. Or I hit hit an arrow key, and then I'm looking at something completely different. Yeah. Like yeah. here's here's a giant image of a folder. <laughs> Super useful. Annotate this. Yeah. So you're not going to use quick look annotations. Maybe I will. I don't know. I'm just like I'm not sold on doing anything that doesn't that, that takes more than like two seconds in Quick Look. What do you think their definition of pro is? If a pro is someone who uses Quick Look annotations, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, <laughs> a pro is someone who uses a mouse. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's very strange. I, I have nothing for you. Pros use dark mode and uh, Quick Look annotations. Checks out. I, I will definitely be trying dark mode. Yeah, I think that's going to be like a permanent. I yeah. want iOS more than anything. It'll be if apps support it widely enough, then I'll use it. But like, I can't deal with like some things being dark, some things being light, and like just huge changes in brightness as I'm like yeah, context switching. True. The other thing is that websites they have to like reveal right. like a website somehow because otherwise, yeah, it'll be miserable. Like, I'm go to Safari, be like ah, 
yeah, I'm actually skeptical as to whether I'll want to use this interesting uh, full time. Yeah, but I also use like a light theme in my uh, text editor, so it's, I, I'm in the minority here. <laughs> there is there's one of the, there are a few other people in here that use like there are light dozens themes. of us. <laughs> yeah, y'all are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but there's dark mode, so for yeah. for everyone else. So does dark mode change the color of Xcode's code as well? Or does anybody like, know? You have, you, okay, so you so have to set the theme themes. and set dark mode. Okay. That's really weird. Yeah. So Joe says um, that if you switch the, to dark mode, that Xcode will switch, assuming you're using the default theme. But if you're not, then it won't switch for you, which I guess is like not worse than the status quo. That makes sense. Dark yeah. mode, text all the time, or light mode, crazy yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so what else? What other Mac stuff? We got... We got Marzipan? There's Marzipan, apparently, or we will have Marzipan in late 2019. This this seems kind of early to announce that to me, but, like, I don't know. Seems cool. If it's shipping in late 2019, it seems like they could announce it at WWDC next year, but I guess there have been rumors about it, too. Yeah, maybe it leaked, and they're like, we got to just... We have to acknowledge this. Yeah. Uh, It's really weird, because I don't think there's been... I can't think of anything else that's like this that's like... Oh, we are going to do this thing. It's very half baked right now. Half the controls aren't even ported over, but here it is. The first, like the very first OS ten. Oh, the developer preview of OS ten. Yeah, or like Siri was in beta for a while. That kind of counts. Yeah, I don't know. It's just really weird. Yeah. So, what do we actually know about about Marzipan? We know it exists. We know that it doesn't replace AppKit. They made sure to say that they are not de-emphasizing AppKit. Right. But this works, I guess, in in tandem with AppKit. I think the way it works is I've been like basically following Steve Stratton Smith on Twitter. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so I have a lot of original research to share with you here. <laughs> um, so it's like two render servers and they run in parallel. And then I think you can basically host a UI kit sub view in an app kit super view, but you can't go back to UI kit and like down deeper in the tree. Hmm. So that's like kind of how it works. Okay. Interesting. And then like some of the stuff is ported over so like if you fire a ui alert controller it shows up as an ns alert okay but like if you have like a date picker it looks like an ios date picker i'm i mean this is something that we're just gonna have to wait and see i'm uh and this is not by any means an original take i'm really curious how well this is actually going to work in practice like how well does an ios date picker work on the mac so there are there, there's obviously like three more months of they can like polish stuff up, but like in the right, there's longer the, than that. There's they have a whole year to polish this up before. No, no, but uh, so so like HomeKit, the Home app is shipping, and that uses Mar- that uses Marzipan. Well, same with news, right? They can just not use the things that aren't polished up yet. Right, exactly. So I think that as it currently stands, there are like UI pickers in the Home app that are still like um, huh. iOS style, where you would like click and drag to move around, or maybe you could scroll them, but they look like iOS. UI picker views. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So I think that's really, I think it's just like not finished, but like, are they going to ship a HomeKit app? By the way, I am excited about a HomeKit app because I want to use, I don't have a, a modern iPad and I don't have a modern Apple TV. And I have too many smart lights that don't work. I'm aware. And I need them to work. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, they're not very smart at all. Um, I just have light switches in my apartment. They yeah. work all the time. <laughs> think you're, think you're fancy with your light switches. Really great. Uh, fun fact. So, um, again, long-time listeners of the show know uh, my girlfriend who came on episode 50 uh, to talk about this is very upset with our smart lights. 
Um, I don't blame her in the least. (laughs) I mean, you were there. Um, And uh, so she texted me the other day. And I guess she was in bed and she was like feeling very lazy. And she was like, hey, can you turn off the bathroom light? (laughs) I was like, I'm in California. (laughs) She was like, yeah, I know, but I'm in bed. (laughs) And so... um, and the most of the lights in the house are Wemos, and those work. Um, those work like over the internet. But my Hue bridge is like fucked up, um, and doesn't work over the internet. And so like I, I could do it through HomeKit, but I need the iPad or the Apple TV. Uh, and so I told her no. She was kind of upset. <laughs> What's the point of these smart lights if you can't turn them off for me? <laughs> so I'm hoping that if I can run HomeKit on the Mac, you'll be like, able to use your home's lights from california well i'll be able to solve my relationship problems <laughs> that checks out yeah I, there's um yeah i mean I, so i have that that mac media assist home that runs that python server that controls the lights you, yeah you know, you know just like normal people that's right do. it's called home assistant it's great um and people come over and they look at our tv and they're like what's that what's that code in the corner it's like a terminal window running running like home assistant i'm like it's don't worry about it it's for the lights <laughs> um and maybe if the Mac Mini can be the HomeKit hub, then I can finally turn the lights off from California. Oh, okay. So we got, we got a little listener feedback. Uh, Yvonne says that not, that's not the case. You can't run. That it won't, like, the Mac will not be a HomeKit. So, so the Mac can't be a HomeKit hub, which seems like a huge waste. Yeah, I don't know. I have one, and I would really like to use it as a HomeKit hub. Good luck. Yeah. Um, yeah, HomeKit seems good. News, I'll never use. Mars Band seems fine. It was really weird to see the like back button Yeah. next to the... like. The, the Mac toolbar was really native, and that looked good. And, like, you would expect to see the back forward in, like, the top left. Mm-hmm. And instead, you see an iOS-style back button, and it was like, what is that doing there? This does not make any sense at all. This, uh, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. So, like, they're shipping. They said four apps. It's, like, um, Home, Stocks, News, and another one? Yeah, Voice, voice memos. memos. So, yeah, Voice Memos. Thank you, audience. Yeah. <laughs> they, got, they got our backs. Um, and so, like, we're going to see the rough edges of this, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I guess the other reason to announce it, to kind of jump back to our earlier point, was, like, if somebody, uh, like, decompiles, or I, I don't know what these, these people do to the apps, but if they, like, do something to the apps, like, look at what's inside, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to see, like, oh, this is, like, a UI, you know, UI image view. Like, That's true, yeah. You would not keep the secret for very yeah, long the at all. secret's out. Yeah. It'd be kind of fun. It'd be a kind of cool way to release, the, release it. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be kind of nice. Yeah, just have like a second, I don't know, like a surprise event two weeks later, as yeah. you may have noticed. <laughs> as as Guillermo Rambo has discovered. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, cool. So Marzipan seems fine. And we, I, I don't know how we can have anything else to say about it until yeah. like we actually get... I mean, I like this whole keynote is basically like, seems fine. Like, yeah, that's you know, kind of my impression so far. Another big one, shortcuts. We played with this on my on my iPhone 7. Briefly, yeah. Yeah. Or we yeah, we tried. To. We tried. Um, I couldn't find a way to add a new shortcut. I think you need the. I heard you need the workflow app installed to be able to add a new shortcut. Is it, so this is workflow, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Or at least workflow like DNA, right? Yeah. So is it? I mean, is the workflow bundle ID now like part of Apple? Mm, I guess probably. Yeah. All right. That seems good. There was a a demo where uh, during. I think the I think this was during the keynote, maybe during this I think it was during the keynote, uh, where the presenter had the kayak uh, the kayak app and asked the phone to create a shortcut for um, 
her travel plans, right? And uh, I have so many questions about like how, like what what happened here? Yeah, right? there's like a lot like, of does things Hayek that have, have happened to make that work, right? right. Um, so, and I haven't had a chance to like dig into. Uh, I don't know. Have you have you like had a chance to actually read about how any of this actually works? Right? It's got to be an NS user activity. I would think, yeah. That's like the obvious place to hook it in. But then um, I thought there were multiple things on screen, and then later she asked for her travel plans, and Kayak seemed to present the like the thing that was relevant at the time. So is that like the Kayak app noting that like okay, it's like whatever time. Uh, so it seems like this hotel reservation is the most relevant thing. Is there some like deeper OS level support, or is this just like storing? like remembering that travel plans mean that means this user activity. Right. Well, so in workflow, you can also like take data from a thing and turn it into your own string. And so okay, that yeah. could also be baked into the shortcut itself. So there's yeah. like a number of different levels on which it could work. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's a, there's a class called an intent maker and then that can be parameterized and let you pass in whatever data. Well, you so, and this it. is something for, if your app is working with uh, like with Siri, right? Like with this, the whole Siri, the, yeah, the new Siri, like you've custom intents, which uh, we'll throw a link to the show notes to uh, this thread from Jake Marsh on Twitter. Uh, he has some like, like screenshots of the Xcode UI for editing this, and you can totally parameterize like uh, w- what soup do you want, quantity, other options. Oh, uh, so you publish the intent as the owner of the app right. rather than as the user of the workflow thing. Okay, I see. Right. Interesting. I am curious how this works with NS user activity too. I, yeah. again, haven't had a Maybe like have, didn't get a chance totally today to mechanism. what maybe it's just a totally different mechanism maybe yeah it is cool okay audience says it is sweet why are we doing a podcast everyone here <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all everyone here <laughs> um, so that seems cool. cool also like marco will be happy it seems like there's a play intent now so maybe yeah. you'll be able to ask uh to, to ask the system to play something right. for it you. would be nice to be able to say hey like start playing my podcast yeah absolutely I wanted that start playing the podcast time. that we're no longer doing that's right yeah so another big thing we, we we dove into a little bit was iOS notification stuff. Yeah, this is also something that we tried to get working on your iPhone 7. and uh, We got a little bit into it. Yeah, I guess so, a little bit. So one of the things I wasn't clear on was I thought that um, when you go into that, that manage mode and you say, hey, make this, make this quiet, I thought that was like a new thing you could do to notifications. Yeah, but it's totally not. All these options exist already. They're just buried like four screens down so in the settings menu. you can do all this stuff. It's just surfacing in like a different UI. Yeah, which is totally... Like, which is great because who besides like people like me go in and actually customize those options for all the apps that send them notifications. Right, right, right. I basically like will turn them off and that's like the main thing or like turn off the badges. I totally go in like, okay, this app gets sounds, but not badges (laughs) and uh, doesn't show on the lock screen. But this app, no. So then the only thing that's actually new is the grouping. I think that that is true. Yeah. 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 Grouping seems fine. I, I think the grouping, like we playing with it on the test phone, there was only like a couple of charges that got grouped and it was like that's whatever yeah but i think on your real phone it'll matter so it'll matter more. yeah you were saying we, we were talking about this earlier before we were recording that the some of the api that this relies on like exists already but so that's there, i forget exactly there's, there's what thread ids which is different than this this rolls up by app but thread ids are like a totally different thing. Oh, okay so a thread id will let you like um update one notification to have different content as new content comes in and that's different from this. This just like updates based on the app. So uh, you can, so right. So if you, in your application, you can also like have things group by thread rather than just by application. Okay. That makes sense. And that is actually new API. Right. Cool. Cool. 
Oh, yeah. One of the things that I'm most excited about, I guess, mostly as a user of iOS, uh, is this uh, some improvements around like strong, uh, like password management and like one-time passcode management. Uh, and this looks super cool based on like watching the, um, the this was in the platform state of the union for, for yeah. whatever reason. Um, so first of all, is that like in, in app, when you have a password field, uh, if you have a domain associated with the app, so uh, you'll automatically, I guess, get the same sort of strong password generation that, uh, that Safari gives you now which I think is great. And it's going to be stored in iCloud keychain and synced just like, uh, you know, just like any other password. Right. So the syncing is what happens through the, through the current, um, like domain bundle ID stuff. And once you've associated a domain, well, then you the, can sync them, but you can't, you couldn't make the new passwords until this release. Not like within an app. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, also somehow I'm totally unclear on how you, uh, how you get to this UI, but there's some sort of like user interface for checking for password reuse, which is cool. That's something that one password does, which, yeah. which I really like. There's uh, a new extension point for password managers. So, uh, when the like, uh, little password button pops up in your keyboard, I, that'll be able to hook right into like one password, yeah, which really is nice. awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, when you, uh, get a text that has like a, uh, a one-time like authentication code for two factor auth, that will show up right in the keyboard. So you don't have to like leave the app and copy or like try to remember your six digit code, Right, right, right. which is good. Even though like as a security mechanism, there's so many problems with using SMS at all. Um, it turns out it's like, if you really want to, it's pretty easy to just hijack SMS for a, a phone number for that's a little like while. Really scary. Like, I really don't want that to be the case. <laughs> yeah, that's totally the case. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's like you can, um, like hijack a SIM card, right? Uh, like you can the other person. Yeah, you can you can trick the the phone network is is large and complicated, and if you can connect to it through some like sketchy telecom provider somewhere, you can just say I'm I'm receiving SMSs I'm for yeah, yeah for a little while. Jesus. Yeah, so it seems, does... seems fine, right? <laughs> Why could go wrong? Yeah, um, uh, we'll I, throw we'll throw a link a couple links about that in the show notes too that, nice. that I have bookmarked. Yeah. And so the state of the art if you're doing two factor is like a YubiKey, right? Yeah, definitely. YubiKey, um, cause for, for a few reasons. First of all, uh, that's, you know, you can't intercept that. Uh, second of all, is it something like a YubiKey, the, like a hardware security key, um, is, uh, can't really be fished either because it knows that, like, this, uh, this code or this, like, uh, one time auth key is good for this domain. And so you have, like, your, your web browser talking with this piece of hardware. And so, uh, if you're on, like, a phishing site and you even try to, like, tell your YubiKey authenticate this, it won't do it because right. it knows it's a different domain. Because it's a different domain. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, there was, um, there was a social engineering thing that floated around on Twitter like a couple weeks ago where someone got texted like, hey, I used to have this phone number. You're about to get a unlock code. Can you send it to me? And then they would unlock the targets yeah. like, with the password and then they would send the um, second factor mm -hmm. over SMS and then they would just take it and yeah. use it. And it's so like, even if you're so not... YubiKey, like, you would know, like, no, this is my YubiKey. <laughs> like, yeah. You're not getting... Your codes on my YubiKey, and like other problems with one-time passcodes via SMS, like, uh, yeah, even if you don't want to do a like relatively intense like SMS hijacking thing, like you can just social engineer yeah, it just, really quickly. Yeah. yeah, turns out everything's social engineering. Also, nothing attacked. Yeah. Also, uh, kind of related to YubiKeys. Uh, it, there's some code that got committed to to Chromium recently from Google uh, that will let you that. At least sometime in the future, we'll let you use the like Touch ID on a MacBook as your like. Uh, Whoa! Yeah. How as does it, that work? I mean, I don't know exactly how it works, but it's like a the show. Chris, come on. 
<laughs> um, I looked at Twitter before I came to the show. Isn't that there enough? You go. I mean, I didn't do much more than that either. But that'll be really cool because yeah. that's built into your, like, this is going to authenticate that you're using, like, this trusted device, which that's the whole idea, right? And so Google then is, like, basically the two-factor Google app is basically replicating in Chrome. And then when you do that, it... Like, some part oh, of it's replicated, you know. like, using the, like, hardware security features right. that that's you get from cool. that. Right. That's pretty tight. Yeah. Also, uh, Chrome, like, Chromebooks that you buy, the Google Pixelbook, I think... Um, has a uh, like secret YubiKey basically built in. Uh, really? That there's just no API for, but Google used internally. Fun to, facts. So that they can validate their own stuff, but third yeah. parties can't. That's super interesting. Well, just because like they want to use, have this for like for their employees to use as their like second factor. Oh, but it's just like undocumented. Huh. Yeah. Fun facts. That's pretty cool. Cool. So okay, that's automatic strong passwords and other security stuff. Yeah. I'm really excited for um, not having share buttons everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's, that's another really thing. Big. So in Safari, we'll remove like the Facebook, or at least tracking via the Facebook yeah. share buttons and stuff. Yeah, the security stuff seems pretty good. Yeah. Uh, also, like worth worth noting that uh, macOS will require user consent for location, photos, contents, ac- contacts, right. access. That's just catching up with iOS. Like totally. Yeah, but, but good. There will be new API around that for you to deal with. I'm sure. Yeah. It's a good update. Yeah. I'm so, looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking so, forward to running uh, like the uh, what ten point fourteen fourteen point like two on my <laughs> laptop. So you're not going to update for a while. No. Interesting. Okay. I need my laptop to to work. Yeah, that's right. At least as well as it does now. Unlike my lights. I can type all of the letters. <laughs> I can type all the letters but G for right now, and I don't. I don't need the software breaking things. Did you get a can of compressed air? It's it's uh, it's so far gone. <laughs> it's fine. Um. So general thoughts. WWC. How do you feel? I, I mean, it seems solid. It seems really incremental, assuming that, that there's actually like as much of an emphasis on performance as uh, and and on these like nice improvements, like again, privacy enhancements, security enhancements, stuff like that. I think that's good. Usability yeah. enhancements to like the notification settings that already exist. What else? The, I mean, uh, a lot the of these are things I actually was kind of surprised by because I don't know. I think as developers, we run on like latest or near latest hardware, and it's like easy to forget that like there's people out there with iphone se's there are people out there with iphone 6s mm-hmm. and if you talk to them they're like yeah our devices are crazy slow and this is like completely unbearable yeah um and i just had no idea and like really didn't realize until he you know tim cook came out and said like we worked on performance i was like what else did you do um but apparently like the performance was a super super big problem for a lot of people and um i feel like they did this with like snow leopard too they've done this on the mac a couple times yeah yeah so i didn't realize just on account of like you know, as a developer, you make the excuse of like, oh, I have to get the latest hardware. You know, it's for my work. <laughs> and so you get it, and then it like uh, works great, and it's so fast. And yeah, so you don't have everything's about like, shiny and rainbows. Yeah. On one of our projects, um, we started doing iPhone SE first, just because uh, squeezing everything onto an iPhone SE is hard, yeah. especially if you've done... Um, plus size or, or iPhone X size first. Yeah, I mean, this plays out in things that aren't, like, performance-related, just... Um, right, just, like, layout. La- yeah, yeah, layout, screen size, design, all that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, other WWDC thoughts? You enjoy being here for 36 hours? I'm enjoying being here for 36 hours. Uh, I, you know, in retro... Had we planned this earlier, I would have planned to be here longer, but, like, I'm going to be out of town for quite a while at the end of the month, and yeah. I didn't want to take... Uh, a little bit so better than nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's been um, fun catching up with the people, though. Yeah, it's good to see everybody. Uh, yeah, uh, WWC seemed fine. It seemed much more consumer focused. Like we looked at the API diffs for UI Kit, and it was like just Siri stuff, basically. 
And yeah. Like, makes it easier for us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, no there's a safe area in sets, no new craziness. As, as, as someone who's not currently an iOS developer, I mean, it just yeah. seems easy enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been doing this show for two years. Yeah. Um, Which is a long time. I did like two years is a while. We, you had a podcast before this. We had like six episodes, but technically that is true. Yeah. Six episodes. I mean, you know, and I don't know. I just remember when we started it, this podcast was like, I don't know. It was a, it was an experiment. It was like, I don't know if anybody's going to want to listen to this. Yeah. I don't know if anybody will care. I don't know why anyone like, (laughs) (laughs) um, but we started it and we did the, we did what? 10 episodes. We did like a neutral FM thing. Yeah, I think that was our first, uh, our first quote unquote season. Yeah, and there was like good feedback and people liked it. So we did another experiment. We did the Patreon thing. Yeah, I guess we've been doing that for what since beginning of twenty seventeen. That's right. Yeah, and twenty sixteen maybe. No, we started the podcast. Wait, in what is 2016. it? It's June. Yeah, yeah, yeah twenty seventeen. So early twenty seventeen. Yeah, we started that, and the Patreon never made like boatloads of money and that was fine like it yeah paid for, i, I it paid don't for think our, we expected it to make boatloads of money yeah it paid for or our sound engineer joe shout out to joe um joe's been editing the podcast since episode 16 uh you guys listen to the podcast for everybody else um <laughs> it paid for new mics it paid for like the hosting of the thing and mm-hmm. honestly i don't think we would have done it if we had to keep like doing the editing or paying for the editing ourselves oh yeah definitely not i do not have time to to edit this every week and yeah, I was, I remember when you were doing the editing. Also, I'm like, not very good at it. <laughs> Joe is Joe way is. better than Chris. Um, yeah. And, and the podcast was just like this experiment that we did and we kind of were like, well, when it feels like it's time to end it, we'll end it. Yeah. And I mean, that's partly why we did the, like breaking this up into seasons with a little bit of a break in between, uh, is so that we have, you know, a chance every once in a while to like kind of reflect, think like, do we want to keep doing this? Is this working? Uh, do we still have stuff to talk about? That's right. Um, and that recharge time was like, I don't think we would have gone for 70 episodes if we didn't build in that Oh, yeah. Having time. that, like, uh, what about a month of recharge time between seasons was was crucial. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we kind of realized as we hit rounded out, like, 60 and 65, we were like, this podcast we, is... We were really starting to, like, I don't know what we're going to talk about yeah. this week. The, the thing I love about Seinfeld is, like... This is a bit random. Um, <laughs> they they were they were on fire. Season seven, I thought was like great. Season eight was even better. Nine was great, and then they just stopped. They were just like, "All right, we're done. We're done with Mike, and we've done all we can. And if we keep doing this, it's going to be bad, and so we're yeah. not going to do it." And there's so many TV shows that don't do that, and they're like, "Oh, that's a great five seasons. To stop watching after season six. It's terrible." Season four, Fringe. Anybody? <laughs> No, no, apparently. Nobody, nobody watched Fringe with me. <laughs> it, season four was really bad. Season one through three, excellent. Um, yeah. And so we just didn't want to... We didn't want to keep pushing it if it wasn't working. And yeah. I feel like we rounded out our stuff. We didn't want to keep pushing it to the point where it wasn't working. Exactly. And we we were getting there, getting towards the end, and we were like, you know what? I think it's time. Yeah. It's time to end the show. Yeah. And so WWDC was coming up. And we were like, one crazy thing would be if we did episode 70 at WWDC. What if we could do a live show? What if we did a live show? What if our friends came, our listeners came, and everybody sat in a big room and we talked about um, computers? Yeah. Uh, and we did it. And we're very happy that we got a chance to do it. And we're happy we got a chance to talk in front of all of y'all. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been a special two years. It really has been. It's been yeah. a lot of fun. This has been, yeah, man, I don't, 
Yeah. Every every Patreon episode, we're like, you know, shout out to the Patreons. And they're great. They're really like, I don't know. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Like when, you know, you listen to NPR and they say, you know, this show is made possible by listeners like you. And like the made possible is really literally true. Like we just could not do this if it weren't for people. Yeah. I mean, who, especially in this case, like. Yeah. We're, we're, we're willing to help us like do a show without ads. Like how many podcasts are there without ads? Yeah. Um, and we're so grateful that we didn't have to like try to track down ads and try to track down like companies that we weren't allowed to talk bad about because they gave us money. And cause honestly or, that wouldn't, yeah. that they just level of effort that that would take for us. That just wouldn't have happened. Yeah. It was, it was not going to be really feasible. So thank you to all the Patreons. Um, thank you to everybody that came to this live show. Yeah. We love you all. You have made this possible. Yeah. Also, there's so many more of you than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> um, we want to give a special shout out also to the hotel Clariano, which we're all in. Um, and also a second shout out to Jesse Char, who actually put this together. Um, we were hunting for a venue and she was able to find this for us and put yeah. this together. And, uh, I think it's actually a perfect, perfect size venue for us. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Uh, one more thank you, Joe Chaplinski. Thank you so much. Yeah. You've, made, been you've doing made editing us. for so many, like what, a year and a half now. That sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. Yeah. And he puts up with my awful plosives. And, and, um, and, and your your inconsistent distance to inconsistent the microphone. Microphone distance, my terrible mic technique, um, and makes it sound smart every week. And we really appreciate it, Joe. You did so much for us. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much. He brought these mics for us too. Yeah, um, yeah. We tried a live show once before. It did not go well technically. Oh my God, that was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> the people who were there, they remember how bad it was. Yeah, we like had a, a zoom, and then the like lapel mics just like didn't work, so we had to use like the big microphone in the middle. And it was like all this noise. It was really yeah. Bad. Imagine that you record a podcast in like an echoey room with a microphone set on a table, like six feet away from yeah. the people who are speaking. And you have we had lapel mics on the whole time. We we're like, this is great. We have going to go good so mics well. And we're going to sound great. And this it was time, this, so bad. This, this time we tested these microphones earlier uh, before we recorded. Yeah, so I learned this word sound check. You can yeah. apparently come in and test stuff before you. <laughs> yeah. All thanks to Joe. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Thank you so much. Um, I think that about wraps it up. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, just uh, like we have in so many episodes, I'll just echo Suresh, like, thank you so much to all of you uh, who, like, quite literally have made this show possible and uh, who have, like, come out to, like, listen and, and support this. This, like, really means means a lot to us. Yeah, we love it. Um, yeah, so that was uh, Fatal Error. I'm Suresh. I'm Chris, and uh, yeah. bye. Later. So um, there's a scene in Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible 1 is very different from the rest of them. I've never seen any of them. That's surprising nobody here. So one is extremely good. It's a Brian De Palma movie. They did like Scarface. It's like a good-ass movie. Right. Two is insanely bad. It's like a John Woo, like Kung Fu action. It's very weird. And then three, four, five, and now six are all the same style of like... Brad Bird, J.J. Abrams, like, running around, huge stakes, everything blowing mm-hmm. up, jumping off buildings, like, running up the side of a building. Stereotypical action movie. Right, kinda. very much right. so. But, like, in a very intense way that I think is, I think they do a good job with them. Yeah. But one is in a league of its own. It's very spy thrillery, so it's very cerebral, and it's less, like, punching and when, running and... When, when did Mission Impossible 1 come out? 93. Okay. Yeah. So there's a long running. Yeah, franchise. very much so. Well, and then before that, it was a show. In the seventies, oh. it was a show. Uh, I didn't know this. With the same premise, and so um, he hasn't seen. He doesn't know any of it. So, <laughs> so John Voight. John Voight plays. Um, 
He plays uh, Jim Phelps. And Jim Phelps is like the leader of the IMF, the Impossible Mission Force. And in the in the in the show, they like do all these things where they have to like steal gold from the like Colombian cartel. They got to do all this crazy sure. shit, as you do. Yeah, obviously. And then um, in the in the movie, should I spoil it for him? <laughs> I don't know if it matters. Jim Phelps turns out to be a mole, a oh. traitor. And everybody who like, grew up with the show was like really mad about this. It's like making a James Bond movie where like James Bond works for the Soviets. Yeah, like it's crazy. But you only find out like. Way like after there have been several James Bond movies. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, with, it's, it's it's a really good movie. It's got a ton of good quotes in it. There's this part where uh, Tom Cruise is like, he's like, he's like, why, Jim, why? And he says, um, you know, sometimes you, he's like, you just wake up <clears throat> and the country is different all around you, and the goddamn president stopped asking you for permission. <laughs> it's like this very like it's just it's really good. Um, yeah, that's that's right. Um, it's such a cool movie and it's like really well done and honestly like the first five or six times I saw it like I noticed a new thing in it each time of like who's doing what behind the scenes to make the huh. final plot happen the first five or six times you've seen how many times have you seen it easily a dozen okay it's really good and and, and the cinematography and the, and the style they do it um, you experience Tom Cruise's feelings of trying to figure out who the traitor is because they, they know there's a mole they don't know who it is and um, and you experience it very viscerally. Like he doesn't know what's going on. He, he's trying to piece together like who did this part and why did this car blow up and mm-hmm. and who ran across this bridge or whatever. And you figure it out um, with him, and you get to see what he's thinking. Cool. It's really it's really well made. I uh, I'll watch this. Yeah. 